Good morning, River City Church. So thankful that you're with us today from your homes. We'd like to invite you to worship with us this morning. Um, you can go ahead and comment below in the thread and say hi to your friends. Um, post your prayers in the comments. We'd love to hear from you today. Um, we've got a few announcements for you uh, before we jump into worship. So uh, we have a weekly Wednesday night gathering that we're going to be doing um, through the month of August at Taylor Bronner Park. So from 6 to 8 every Wednesday for the month of August. Starting this Wednesday, we're going to gather in front of the building there, the big, large, white building. So you can bring your dinner or a chair and just come and hang out with us. Um, we will be doing social distancing. So the first one is this Wednesday, August 12th. And at this is we're going to be doing uh, the Bible Buddies, uh, which City Kids is hosting. So um, it's a it's a way that your kid can, you know, participate a little bit in what City Kids is doing uh, with a stuffed animal. And so they're going to be doing a fun thing through Bible Buddies. So you can pick that up on August 12th at Taylor Bronner. Uh, the next thing I have is today and next Sunday, our following service, there's going to be a City Kids Zoom call. So jump on that right after the link has been uh, sent to your email. And then lastly, uh, we have sent out an email about our pots. So we, as our prayers of the season, the things that we're praying and trying to seek God on right now, we need to hear from you. So normally these would be in your seats here at the service uh, in the sanctuary, but uh, obviously we're not able to do that. So we need your input. So we'd love for you to fill that out virtually. So that is either on the Facebook prayer wall or in your email. All right, so we're gonna read our Psalm this morning as we jump into worship. So Psalm 85, eight through 13 says this, let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. So God, we're praying this morning and asking for your presence to come into our homes. Make us aware that you are here with us. God, through song, through words, God, that we would know that you love us, that you're tender and care. God, that you listen and your ear is inclined to us. God, we open our hearts to you, our minds. God, that you might shape us into your image as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, River City Church, I'd like to invite you to pray with me for the needs of our community and our world. We read in the psalm this morning, I will listen to what the Lord God is saying, for he is speaking peace to his faithful people and to those who turn their hearts towards him. So God, we're turning our hearts towards you this morning, asking for peace over our land, over our own hearts. We're praying for the universal church, its members and its mission, for all of the churches that surround this one, for all of our network churches, God, that you would bring forth your mission despite the circumstances that we all face. And we're praying for our brothers and sisters who suffer from coronavirus around our world, that you would bring healing 
God, we're praying continually for the genocide in Nigeria of Christians by Boko Haram and other extremist groups. We're praying, God, that you would open the eyes of the oppressors. God, that you would bring aid. God, that the neighboring countries might send it. Lord, hear our prayer. We're praying for our world and all those in it. God, we're thankful for all that you've given us. God, we're thankful for the land that we live in. God, we're thankful for the political leaders all around our world. God, we pray that they might advocate for their people and not for any other purpose. God, we're praying and heartbroken over the explosion in Beirut this week. God, we pray that you would protect the vulnerable people there who are homeless. God, that that aid would be sent. And God, that you might love and show mercy in Beirut. Lord, hear our prayer. We're praying for the welfare of Smyrna in Cobb County, for the families with children that are going back to school. God, we pray that the employers would extend grace to their employees, that kids would have all that they need, both physically, emotionally, socially. God, that you would comfort parents and kids in their transition. We're praying for those who are hungry and homeless. God, that you would bring solutions. God, we pray for the unemployed. God, that you might offer opportunities and show us how you might step up. Lord, hear our prayer. For the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it, we're praying for the isolated and lonely people of our church, God, that you would bring them to our minds. We're praying for Kate Dorio's family. As they battle COVID, God, we pray for healing. Praying for Brenda Edie's father and mother, that you bring healing and protection to them. And for the health of all those in this body, God, might you protect us in the ways that we can't protect ourselves. Lord, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, River City. Thank you for your patience. Um, While we reset, essentially, I am too short is the problem. And so (laughs) we had to move the podium up on the stage so that uh, I could be seen. Uh, So it's appreciated. Thank you, Jordan. Um, As I was preparing this week and even before I begin um, to, to preach, I wanted to start off with something um, that I feel very confident in, and that is this, that the Lord really wants to meet with us today. In spite of distractions, in spite of if you're in a car or in your house with your kids screaming or you're by yourself, what I am very confident in saying is that Jesus really wants to meet with you. And maybe that moment of meeting with Jesus happened during worship or during prayers of the people, or maybe it'll happen in the midst of talking about Peter and Jesus and the other disciples in a storm, or maybe that'll happen later today when you're on a walk with your family or drinking coffee. I don't know where or when, but what I know is that Jesus really wants to meet with you today. And I am clinging to that myself today that he indeed wants to meet with me as well. And so I hope that that is an encouragement to you that there is no limit or bounds that Jesus will not go through to meet with you today. Um, We're going to be reading out of uh, Matthew 14 today. And I'm going to read over it and then pray us into this morning. So Matthew 14 22 to 33. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. Um, You can read it on the screen. 
Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. And I thank you that your word is alive and active. It does not return void when we read it. God, we ask this morning that you would breathe a fresh breath on your word for us, that our hearts would be encouraged and affirmed, that we would be more sure of who you are, that we would read this and at the end be able to say, you surely are the son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of times when this passage is preached, um, at least that I'm familiar with, is that we look to Peter because Peter is kind of the oddball of the disciples and he's the one who um, questions Jesus about walking on the water and whether that was a challenge or a test or um, a moment of faith I don't know, I guess it could be a lot of things, but what I was beginning to read and what I would encourage or challenge us today is to maybe not focus so much on Peter this morning. Um, you know, the, the heading of this, this chapter, um, or excuse me, part of the scripture is Jesus walks on the water. And in the other two gospels, Peter in the interaction with Jesus is actually not even mentioned. So not that it's insignificant, but it made me wonder if there was more to this than just Peter's interaction with Jesus. There is something to be learned from Peter, but, but maybe not everything. And so I began and felt like the spirit kind of kept asking me is, what do we learn about Jesus in this passage? Not so much what do we learn about Peter or what is our call to either be more or less like Peter, but rather what do we learn about Jesus? And so that is what we want to talk about a little bit today because what I believe is that if we look at Jesus and we look at his actions and his responses is we will be amazed by his promises to us. It's no, um, it's no, uh, not news to anybody that 2020 has been hard so far. Uh, it's shockingly already August. And um, back in February and March, we thought for sure August would look back to what we knew as normal. Um, and now it is August and it is not. And so um, in a lot of ways, I read this text and I was like, man, it kind of feels like we have been in a storm 
for much of 2020, waiting for this like reprieve to come? Uh, can we just, can the storms just settle a little bit for a minute? And so I identified very much um, metaphorically with, with the surroundings that the disciples found themselves in. And I was intrigued by Jesus's interaction with them. So let's look back at the very beginning, starting in verse 22, of what Jesus is doing in all of this. It's easy to identify with the disciples in this because they are in a literal storm. We are living in 2020, which felt, has felt like wave after wave after wave of being bit, beaten down physically, emotionally, spiritually, the whole works. So let's look at Jesus and how does Jesus respond to the disciples and thus how is Jesus saying he wants to respond to us? So what's interesting is Jesus has just fed the five plus thousand, um, a, a large crowd. And before that, they had gotten word of John the Baptist being um, killed. And um, Jesus actually wanted to get away when he got that news and um, kind of kept getting pulled back into the crowds. He feeds the 5,000. And verse 22 starts with, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him. Which in my head, if I'm looking at the dynamics between Jesus and the disciples, it kind of feels like the disciples should be the one dispersing the crowd. Um, but Jesus gives a command. There's, there's immediately he made the disciples. Another word for that is compel, would be if you follow the translation, compel. He compelled or made the disciples go into the boat and he dismissed the crowds because he wanted to get away to go to a mountaintop and pray. And if you continue on, it says um, in verse 23 and 24, it says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So we really want to emphasize in this because two verses back to back, Jesus is alone. And we understand that now he's on a mountain, he's alone. Disciples have been commanded, compelled to go in obedience on this boat. And then the next thing we know is they are interacting and engaging with wind. And what I imagine wind hits water and that becomes storms of some kind, big waves. And I was really caught off guard by that, honestly, because what that means is Jesus, being fully man and fully God, he sent the disciples on purpose into a storm. Only the last time that the disciples were in a storm, they were with Jesus in a boat. And so I imagine, you know, we know how that story goes. Jesus is sleeping and the disciples are trying to, to, to survive the storm and they're frustrated with Jesus. But is at least on the boat with them. But this time, Jesus has intentionally set himself up to be the one to disperse the crowd, to go to the mountain by himself and sent his disciples on a boat to go somewhere else for a purpose but a storm is coming. And so Jesus has set his disciples up to go into a storm as part of their act of obedience. That caught my attention because there have been times where I have felt like I have walked in obedience to something that Jesus has told me to do and then a storm has come and it has felt like Jesus is on the mountaintop somewhere else praying. 
What do we do with that? What do we do with the one that we have put our faith in, the one that we have set all of our secure grounding in? What do we do if we feel like our active obedience has led us into a storm and it kind of feels like he is somewhere else praying? That resonated with me because I more than once have felt that. And if I stop there, if we stop the story there, it might give us good reason to just begin to maybe lack trust in who Jesus is and his faithfulness. Because he sent us into a storm and then peaced out. At least before he was on the boat. Like, that's helpful to some degree. Even if he's sleeping, he's at least there. But no, he's on a mountaintop and he's praying. And so if we keep going, the storm, the wind is howling and it's beating against the boat. And the fourth watch of the night is somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. So they've been doing this for a hot minute, trying to survive in this storm. And in verse 26, it says, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And so again, I'm thinking of myself. I'm thinking of the disciples in this boat. The wind is, is hitting their boat. Interestingly, it doesn't say that they're afraid of the storm, although I think that that would be a healthy human fear is like, there's a storm. But the first mention of fear is that Jesus comes to them and what, well, they don't know it's Jesus yet, but there might be a ghost. And this is a man that they've been walking with for a while. Like they know Jesus. They know the wrinkles on his face. They know the tan on his skin. They know how dirty his feet can be. They know Jesus. And yet when they're in the midst of the storm and of the chaos, their first response is that has to be a ghost. And he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And I wonder how many times as I put myself in this position, I've wondered how many times I've been in a storm, whether I felt like Jesus, uh, if it was out of an act of obedience or not, there have been times where I feel like I've been in a storm. And I wonder how many times Jesus has tried to show up, but because it looked differently than what he has done previously, I wonder if I've questioned if it's the enemy or if it's him. Or I wonder if I've questioned if God is present at all, even though he's standing right there, it just looks different. And I'm not necessarily looking for him to show his faithfulness in a new way. I'm looking for him to show his faithfulness in a way that I've known before. And so it's taken me a minute. And I've maybe even questioned him, where are you? And maybe he's like, I was, I'm here. I just don't look like that right now. And he's saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Um, I was, talked to Jonathan before, as I was prepping through this, and I was like, thinking about storms. I was thinking about 2020. And um, I asked him, and kind of made sure with him if this was okay for me to share, um, 
because it's not just my story, but it's our story. And so for me, what I thought this year was going to look like um, up until about a month ago is um, I thought, first I thought out of obedience um, that I was going to be starting seminary this month, probably now. Um, and that was a big deal for me. That was in and of itself its own faith journey. <laughs> um, but I was going to be starting seminary. Um, and then I thought COVID hit and we started to really question the timing, all of that. And um, on Father's Day, we found out we were pregnant. And, um, and so I had really wrestled with seminary and um, growing our family because they feel like two fighting or competing storylines the way I was looking at it. And um, we, Jonathan and I talked and we felt like this was going to be the time that we maybe wanted to grow our family. And so we found out we were pregnant. And in my head, um, there was a really great story that had been written. Um, I was going to delay starting seminary between COVID and us just kind of deciding that we thought maybe we would want to add to our family. I was going to delay starting seminary um, to August of next year, and it was going to be great because Ezra um, was going to be starting kindergarten, and so I wouldn't have to worry about him um, in terms of childcare, and Silas would be in preschool taken care of, and I would have a, this six-month-old and I would be starting seminary. And there was a lot of peace that Jonathan and I felt with that story, that I in particular felt with that story. But what seemed to be a theme of 2020 is um, we unexpectedly lost that pregnancy about a month ago. And it has been devastating and ways that I didn't expect. And there have been times where I have questioned the faithfulness of God. And I don't think that that's wrong. Jesus actually has looked on that with compassion. But also, there have been times where I have missed him before. Because his faithfulness has not looked how I thought it should. In my mind, faithfulness in this scenario would have been that my story gets to continue the way that I thought it looked good. My mind, faithfulness looked like a healthy pregnancy and starting seminary in August. That was the faithfulness of God. But what I have found is that we live in a broken world and, and when I encountered and when we have encountered this loss is that faithfulness has looked like our community and our people who have Jesus in them showing up. And at just the right moment texting, how are you? Or can I bring you dinner? Or can I watch your children? It's okay to not be okay. 
It's okay to dream again. Jesus began, has begun to show up in so many different ways and his faithfulness has still been true, but I'm knowing it in new and different ways. And because of that, I'm actually getting to know parts of Jesus's character I have not known before. So if we keep reading in verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, which means he stepped out of the boat with the wind still going. Jesus didn't calm the storm first and then Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat while the wind was still going. Uh, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, understandably. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So this is the point that most commonly people look at Peter and they're like, okay, Peter was on to the right thing and then his faith altered, faltered, failed. And so if you can just be Peter, go ahead and like do the first step of getting out of the boat, but do Peter but better and just keep looking at Jesus and then you make it to Jesus, all is good. And I'm not even doubting or questioning if that is right or wrong. I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus's response to Peter and his faith like that is the same as Jesus's response to the disciples still in the boat who might still be going, so this is or isn't a ghost. He comes to them. He first saves Peter and then he goes to the disciples and saves them. Maybe their faith were in the same place. Maybe their faith were in two totally different places. We don't know. We know it's displayed differently. We know Peter got out of the boat and we know the disciples stayed in the boat. But what we also know is that Jesus comes near to Peter when he begins to sink, which is all of us. Hello. But also we're all sometimes still in the boat doubting and questioning and looking and trying to figure it out. And Jesus does the same. Because it has less to do with us and more to do with the character and nature of Jesus. It has less to do with if you're the person getting, being Peter. It has less to do if you're still in the boat questioning things. It has more to do, are you willing to see Jesus when he shows up and be willing to trust with what little you have faith you have to, for him to come and save you? He will rescue you all the same. Peter is not better nor worse than the rest of the disciples. Jesus will rescue them and Jesus will rescue you. If you are willing, that is what is asked of us. No matter what stage of the game you are in on your faith journey, what is asked of you is, are you willing? In the moment that we say yes to that, Jesus says, I will come near to you in the storm. And what's really neat is that 
when it ends in verse 33 and they say they worship him saying truly you are the son of God that's the first time that that happens or is referenced in the in the book of Matthew so on the disciple side they got commanded out of obedience they'll go into a boat where they encounter a storm where Jesus is not there Jesus comes near to them, and as a result of Jesus showing up in the midst of the storm, they worship and acknowledge his identity for the first time. I believe that that is a promise that Jesus is making to us as his people. That every time there is a storm, he will show up, and he will bring a peace that surpasses understanding, and that we will know him and exalt him and know his identity more securely, and we will worship him over and over and over and over again. It actually isn't about the disciples. It is about the character and nature of Jesus. I started to write down some of the promises that I saw Jesus making to his people and his disciples in this. He promises to come to us when we call on him. He promises that he will be there when we look for him. He promises that if we allow him to bring peace, we will come out of the storm knowing more securely who he is and praise his name. That is just who he is. That has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with the fact five months ago, if it was easier for me to be Peter and right now it's easier for me to be a disciple in the boat. Irrelevant. Because he is unchanging. And so I go back to my initial question. What do I do if I feel like Jesus has, out of my obedience, led me into a storm and he's on a mountaintop praying? I can trust and believe that in his divinity, he is both humanly present in this moment, but he's also divinely present. I can trust that he is going to come near to me. I can trust and know that he is going to rescue me over and over and over and over again. And so if this year in particular has been really hard for you, as it has been for a lot of us, if your grief and your loss has been quiet, or if it has been broadcast, or if, you're, if that proverbial wave keeps hitting you and that's just another comment being made, another racist comment, another ignorant comment, another comment that is just staunchly different than your political beef. If you feel like the waves just keep hitting and you are asking yourself, where is Jesus? When Becca comes up in just a second, I want you for just a moment to sit with yourself and reflect and ask the spirit to say, to ask the question of the spirit, where have you been or where are you? And be willing to look at the things that may appear as a ghost and ask, is that you, Jesus? And if it is him, 
Maybe it's not, but if it is him, his response will be to take heart. It will be one of peace, of security, because that is who he is. Much of my prayer this week, I told Becca this yesterday, is that Jesus would make much of my little. And so even if this is the only time for the next three minutes that you are going to be able to give Jesus today in concentrated, intentional effort, my prayer would be that Jesus would make much of the little, of these little moments that we have right now, and that he would remind you that his faithfulness might look different right now, but he is still faithful, and he will remain faithful to you. So as Becca plays for just a moment, I ask you, to anchor yourself to the fact that Jesus wants to meet with you. And maybe that meeting happens right now, maybe not, but may we just give a little bit of time and a little bit of space for the spirit to say, here I am. I'm in that person, I'm in that child, I'm in that service, I'm in that mountaintop, I'm in that valley. Allow the spirit to make much of our little. So may your day be filled with grace and peace. May you know more intimately and more securely that Jesus loves you and is for you, is near to you. May he make much of the little that we have to offer and may we boast in our weaknesses, knowing that he is a firm ground that our feet are set upon. God, we bless you and we thank you. We lift your name high above every other name. You are worthy of our praise and our trust. And we sing your praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.